The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Second episode that we're recording for the day. Still working on this truly strawberry lemonade. Oh wow, I didn't even do my intro. My bad. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I'm your host, the handsome and very well-armed Alistair Haken. Alright, so today's episode, uh, here's a quick disclaimer. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen WandaVision, which I think most people have, but spoiler alert if you haven't seen WandaVision. But today we're not going to talk specifically about WandaVision, but this this idea of subverting expectations. That's we got we got to talk about that because there there's a there's a, a a pattern or a trend in Hollywood these days that's really starting to plague storytelling. Which is the idea of quote unquote subverting expectations. You see, there is a way. Let me let me bring up the page. Let me close all these space jam tabs. Alright, so there is a way to do subversion correctly. Or the right way. Mahler Mahler, who you didn't know is basically my dad, <laughs> in terms of writing. Which by the way, before we get really deep into this. I want to make an addendum to my Justice League video, uh, Justice League, just, bleh, Justice League podcast that I made about two weeks ago. I want to say, watch Mahler's video on that. It's an, it's called an unpro. <laughs> Slow down. It's called Zack Snyder's Justice League: An Unbridled Rampage. It's about two hours and thirty minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit, it's a big, it's a bit of a chungus of a, of a video, but. Yeah, you need to you need to watch that because a lot of that kind of basically destroys a lot of the points I have, except for one, and that being the Batman calling in Lois Lane thing and the Joss Whedon cut. That's the only thing I don't agree with with Mahler. But that's it. Basically, you can take that entire episode and replace it with Mahler's video, except for that one part, and you'll be good to go. But but Mahler, as I said before, Mahler, back on topic, he mentions in one of his videos how the last jedi basically doesn't get subversion right which it doesn't so what i've done it objectively doesn't by the way so what i've done here is i've brought up the page for subverted trope on tv tropes which is basically a a quick little blow by blow of what makes subversion subversion so we're gonna read the quote by hideo kojima that's on this page in other words the story does not trick the player, it is the player that tricks himself. And then the page says, basically, this is ba- playing bait and switch with a trope. A work makes you think a trope is going to happen, but it doesn't. So, with that being said, the problem with a lot of these movies that like to quote-unquote subvert expectations is that Mahler puts it perfectly when he says that 
the problem with these movies is that they subvert your expectation and replace the replace the expected result with nothing. And that's not good. It's not okay when you replace the expected result with something that is just not interesting or a big fat nothing burger. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Ray Skywalker. Ray from nowhere. Ray, my parents are nobody. I'm talking about you, you ham cheese sandwich. But that is a good example of a very, very poorly done subversion. Where instead of... that, that That's actually what brings up the idea of subverting an expectation. Is the fact that Ray, Ray's parents ended up being nobodies. In The Last Jedi, that is. Apparently in The Rise of Skywalker, it's retcon so that her parents were nobody. But it was her grandfather that was somebody. Which is just... Four billion dollars, guys. Anyway, so I want to bring that up because I want to talk about subverted expectations because clearly the writers of WandaVision are on the same stupid-ass page. Because the main one being the Quicksilver, the Quicksilver subversion, which what they did was way, way worse than what anybody else had brought up. Basically, the series finale, or the season finale at the very least, was chock full of these moments where the subversion was not anywhere near as interesting or satisfying as what we had expected. And that's not the problem. The problem is not that we expected something and we didn't get it. The problem is that you replaced it with something that is garbage. So, in case you're you're unaware and you don't care about WandaVision, basically, in the MCU, Quicksilver... Wanda's sister, Wanda's sister, Jesus Christ, Wanda's brother was killed in Avengers Age of Ultron. And in a separate alternate universe, Evan Peters plays Quicksilver, but without Scarlet Witch, right? And that's in the X-Men universe. But when Disney bought Fox, that X-Men universe ceased to exist, basically. So what happened after that is that in WandaVision episode four, I think? Yeah, I think episode four. I'm not going to look it up right now. You'll know what episode it is. But in episode four, at the end of the episode, Quicksilver shows up at the door. But it's play- it's Quicksilver played by Evan Peters, which be- which made a lot of people assume or expect or theorize, whichever one you want to, you know, whichever loaded term you want to use. It led a lot of people to believe that that was the Quicksilver from the X-Men universe. And we were, and me included, I was like, oh, so I understand that this is, like Kevin Feige himself that this said that this was a the, the first part of a trilogy of a multimedia-like franchise, where this is the first part of a trilogy that touches upon the, the Marvel multiverse, right? So I'm expecting it to be like, okay, so this will be a quick, easy, and smart way of introducing the mutants into the MCU, right? By just grabbing the mutant Quicksilver from the Fox universe and bringing him into the Disney universe. It's, it's smart, right? Smart move. And some of the other ones were like, hell, I'm not a fan of the Mephisto theories, but that would have been better than what we got. In the end, what we got was it was, it was just some random guy that Agatha 
like possessed and gave him powers with a special funky necklace and his name is just his name is Ralph Boner. They subverted our expectations for a fucking penis joke. Do you do you see what the problem is there is that what what we could have got was way more interesting and way more satisfying and just objectively better than what we ended up getting. Because I, I kind of like low-key called it before that episode happened that I, I told myself if Marvel uses this moment to simply do a casting gag, I'm going to be very upset. Lo and behold, I was very upset. It was very bad. It was a very bad subversion. What's another what's another thing that happens that was just like meh? Is a subver- another subversion that kind of upset people was the idea that Wanda created this world and she was in con- total control over it and there was no multiverse anything involved in it. It was just Wanda just created it. It was just like Really? That's it? Really? That's it. Okay. I guess that, that, like I said, that one isn't as bad as the Ralph Boner situation, but that episode is chock full of just dropped balls, basically. Like, not even talking about the overall, I'm scooting up in my chair, my bad. Not even talking about the overall shoddy writing in the entire episode, such as my biggest complaint being, why didn't the vision that was created by Wanda tell Wanda that the white vision was rebooted to be the real vision why didn't he tell her why and even then there were some theories that were a bit more far-fetched but were far more interesting than what we got such as I had a theory because I it's based off of another theory that Haywood was somehow connected to Ultron because, like, the cards fell in such a perfect way for him. That he had the rebuilt vision, and then Wanda's essence was transferred into him, and then that would allow Ultron to, like, complete his goal, right? He wanted the vision to be, so that he would be able to upgrade his body. That would create it, like, it seemed like a good idea. And then the, the real problem with expect, the real problem with screwing up a subversion is that you cannot... You cannot set the audience's expectations at one level and then completely deny it. Because the, the key to a good ex, uh, the key to a good subversion is that you can go back and look at previous media and it still makes sense. Right? Because this whole Ralph Boner situation is not going to look good in retrospect. Where the whole setup is like Oh, you're expecting it to be Aaron Taylor Johnson, and then it's Evan Peters, and it's like, oh, why did they use him just to make a dick joke? That's the kind. Of, that's 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 the problem with subverting your expectations and into a direction that doesn't mean anything, right? And then. Another, the, the, the Ultron example being, why haven't they mentioned Ultron up until this moment? The, the events of that movie are rarely ever mentioned in the MCU, 
And for the first time in like forever, they actually mention Ultron, Quicksilver dying, Sokovia being Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's home. It's the first time that we've even discussed this in a hot minute. So it led people to expect, hey, maybe Ultron kind of has something going on here or we're going to see something connected to that movie. And we did, but at the same time, you know, it ended up going nowhere. All it led to was a big fat retcon that opened the door to Wanda possibly being a mutant. But we're not going to stick just to WandaVision this episode because I want I want to actually talk about how we could make a good subversion, right? As a matter of fact, we have the TV tropes page right here. Where we could pull up a random subversion from one of these. Oh, yeah. It has one right here for Watchmen. Spoilers for Watchmen. I highly suggest you, you watch it. But there's a subversion in the movie that takes place towards the end. Where most people probably guess that Adrian was the bad guy. Or Ozymandias was the bad guy, right? But it sets you up to believe, hey, you're going to have your typical superhero fight, right? And... Oh, wow, did you hear that? Oh, you can hear that, my bad. Um, but it sets you up to believe, oh, you're going to have your typical superhero fight where Ozymandias fights Rorschach and Owlman, right? And then he goes like, what, did you think I'm stupid enough to tell you my plans in hopes so that you could get your hopes up and think you could stop me? He's like, oh, no, I started that shit like 15 minutes ago. And the bad guy wins, which was a massive subversion. And what made that subversion work was that it plays into the entire idea that that this world is not the typical superhero world where the superheroes always win. It's a it, people use this word very often, and we'll talk about this in another episode. But it's a deconstruction of superhero movies and and comic books and stuff. So that moment is a massive subversion, but it also works because. Throughout the entire book, there are these subversions and deconstructions of typical superhero tropes. That's what Watchmen is. It's a it's a deconstruction, which a deconstruction in and of itself can be a subversion of of your expectations. But that's a good that's a good example of a subversion because it works within the story. And then on top of that, it doesn't cause the entire narrative to fall apart after that. Dare I say the the because of the way that it works out, that subversion has to happen. Where in order for the, the like basically Owlman and Doctor Manhattan come to the conclusion like as screwed up as it was, Ozymandias was right. Ozymandias like his plan actually worked because before the before the bombs went off, uh, the Doomsday Clock was at like half a half a minute or a minute to midnight or something like that. And then when he set off the bombs that went off in several of the world's centers, everyone called off their their attack or whatever and stopped World War III from happening. And, you know, everything was good after that. Don't know how well that would work in the real world. But, you know, in the story, Ozymandias' plan actually worked. So, yeah, in a sense, it's a subversion. Not even in a sense. It is a subversion. Because you would expect 
for the bad guy. It you would expect for the bad guy to win to lose, but he wins. And then you would expect for him to win and it not work, but he won and it worked. So it's a super subversion. So that's a that's a great example of a subversion. So let's see if there's any other any other subversions that are good. Because this page isn't really full of them because it happens so often in media. If you listed all the subversions on a page, then you would you you'd have a very big internet, uh, very big uh, internet page. And I, I've even used subversion in some of my some of my film, not films, <laughs> not yet. Let's slow down. In some of my books, I've used subversion. I can't really mention them right now because they're huge spoilers. But the thing about subversions is that they don't have to be subversions with just within the context of the story. They can be subversions of your, like the, the saying goes, they can be subversions of your expectations of the tropes at hand. Which we'll talk about what tropes are, because tropes are tools, they're not cliches. But uh, subversions are, work on a, a meta level, not just with the characters in universe. Subversions work based on your expectations of what you expect from the genre. That's why subversions and deconstructions are two sides of the same coin. A deconstruction, as a matter of fact, I'd say, I'd say a deconstruction, hmm, how would I word this? A deconstruction has to have subversion in it, but a subversion doesn't have to have deconstruction in it. I hope that makes sense. I, I don't know. Like, these are all words that if you're a normie, you wouldn't understand what a deconstruction was from a decomposition, okay? <laughs> so, I understand that it may be a little confusing. But, let's see. A good example. Well, actually, no, yeah, no. Yeah, that's right. Deconstruction is... Deconstruction, basically, long story short, deconstruction and subversion are basically two sides of the same coin. So what's another good example of a, a subversion? It's a it's a small moment, but here's a good one is a is Bumblebee. It's a quick little moment, but it's a it's a smaller scaled subversion. There isn't a huge plot point. So you're not getting anything spoiled. But in most of the Transformers movies when in the rare instance humans are killed, it's usually in like a gory discretion shot, so you don't see the human getting shot. Or when they do get shot, they're like in one piece and you just see like some fire on their chest, like in Age of Extinction. In Bumblebee, it's a little bit of a subversion because when Dropkick shoots the humans, whenever he shoots a human, they explode into like goop. And it's just like it was one of the most jaw dropping moments because we just we as an audience didn't expect it. Every time I went to see that movie, I saw it twice. Once by myself and once with my friends. Like I said, I'm a huge Transformers fan. Please hire me to direct a movie. But every time I went to see that movie, that scene, the first time he shoots a human and they explode in the goop, it always gets a very loud, audible gasp from the audience because it's a subversion of what you expected. But at the same time, it doesn't give you a, a wet fart of a replacement because it, the subversion that we get in WandaVision would be the equivalent of that scene in Bumblebee where he shoots the human and instead of popping in the goop he just he just falls backwards like he just drops dead and it's just like well well what happened I'm confused what happened 
That's why you have to, you have to, with subversion, you have to replace the expected result with something just as interesting or just as substantive. Like, let's make up, let's make up one, okay? So, let's see. Let's say there's a knight in a forest, right? I, I'd rarely do, I rarely do fantasy, so we're gonna do fantasy. I've been in a Dungeons and Dragons kind of move recently, so we'll do fantasy. So there's a knight in a forest, right? He comes across a fairy. The fairy says, hey, I need you to help me. The knight says, what for? Fairy says, there's a an evil wizard in the, the castle over there. And he's taken the land's magical power or something, right? And the knight says, bet, we're going to go kill that wizard and free the land from... The, his magical oppression. Right? And then on the way to the, the, the wizard's castle, the wizard is like, you don't know what you're doing. If you kill me, something. I don't know. Typical villain speak. I don't know. Look, the, villain speak is a lot more difficult than you'd imagine because making it not cliched is actually kind of a challenge. But he's talking to the night dude and he's like this fairy has sent another fool to to kill me or something right hinting that the fairy has done this before the knight is actually successful and ends up killing the, the wizard or getting to the wizard first we'll get to the killing part second but he gets to the wizard fights the wizard defeats him the wizard is like you have no idea what you're doing you kill me and you'll you won't be able to undo what's been done Right, and then the knight is like, "Your tyranny is over," because the the fairy on the way there has been piping him up and stuff, dropping hints of to something that is not quite right. And then, the the knight kills the the wizard, right? And then the wizard dies, and his magic wanes, and like his control over the kingdom is gone. But lo and behold, when he kills the he kills the wizard, but the fairy grows to full size, and it's revealed she is a warlock. That it was more powerful than the wizard, and it turns out the wizard was a good guy all along. Who had sealed evil away, basically sealed evil away in a can. But when you, but when the knight killed the wizard, the fairy was no fairy at all. She was a warlock, released. And now the equivalent of Sauron has been released upon the land, and the wizard, the, the knight helped release the evil. Of course, it takes, it, it would take a few more drafting sessions to make that not garbage but that would be a good a good example of subversion is that you expect the fairy to be on your side or the the fairy to be a good person because it's a fairy it's a little a little lady that you know is basically defenseless if you wanted to you could squish her with your your own fingers but you expect her to be you know like a nice person or something you then the the evil old wizard is like you know so you're expecting you you know you're expecting the tropes of evil wizard, helpful fairy, courageous knight. Knight gets to the top, kills the wizard, finds out the fairy was evil all along. Of course, you'd have to drop breadcrumbs along the way to allude to the fact that maybe the fairy is lying or maybe that the wizard is not all that bad. But that's a good that's a good example of a subversion that makes sense and also doesn't feel like such a doesn't feel like such a stretch. 
And that actually brings me to a subversion that was done in a game recently that felt really bad. Of course, this game series isn't known for having the best story, but it's a subversion that came right the hell out of nowhere and was just done just because. But I'm talking about Doom Eternal's The Ancient Gods Part 2. Oh, man. Okay, so... Spoiler alert, I guess, if you even care about this, but... It's revealed in the final mission that Devoth, or Devoth, he's basically Satan, created every, actually created everything, and he is the real god of that universe, but his own creations cast him down into hell, and they vilified him through their own stories. Basically, God was casted out of heaven by his own creations and renamed as Satan. So, yeah, there's that. And this is all thrown at you by the end, by, at, in the last mission, by the way. So, the, the goal is to kill Satan so that his energy is released and all the demons outside of hell get killed and sent back to hell or whatever, right? So, when you kill the bad guy, Satan, all his energy is released. And in a just a cop-out, just terrible last-minute twist... Because his energy is within the Doom Slayer, killing him siphoned all the energy out of the Doom Slayer, and the Doom Slayer falls unconscious and is locked away in a sarcophagus, a la Doom 2016. And it's just like, where the hell did that come from? What? What? Why did that? Why did that happen out of nowhere? It's a subversion because you didn't expect the Doom Slayer to just fall ass backwards and fall unconscious. But it's a subversion, so it's okay, right? No, it's not okay. What? <laughs> what would have worked better is if you played it straight, and instead of playing it as a subverted trope, you played it straight, where it's revealed, like, in the first mission of the DLC, that killing killing Devoth, the Dark Lord, will siphon Doomguy's powers out of his body, and he's gonna basically either die... Or lose his divinity powers by the end of the by the end of the DLC, and even though Doom Guy knows this, he just he powers on and he says, "Screw it, I gotta kill Satan because Satan took everything from me, basically." Which works a lot better for Doom Guy's character instead of trying to sneak it on there and just be like, "Ha ha, what a twist!" You know, instead of that, what you could have done was make it so that it makes the Doom Slayer look even more badass. Because he knows he's going to lose his powers at the end of all of this. But he does it anyway. He goes through the mission anyway because it's the right thing to do. That would have been way cooler for Doom, the Doom Slayer to do that. But instead, we got a cop-out fake twist at the end of the DLC, which was just cheap as fuck. But whatever. <laughs> but that that's how I would have did it. Instead of trying to subvert people's expectations and throw a cheap twist in there... I would have played it straight and told the audience straight from the get-go in the first mission of the DLC, hey, if you kill the Dark Lord, you're going to lose all your superpowers. And then Doomguy does it anyway. That would have been way more badass. Like, have the Betrayer say, hey, if you kill, if you kill Satan, you're going to lose all your superpowers. And then Doomguy is like, Doomguy just takes the Sentinel hammer and he's like, I don't care. And he just walks off. Right? That would have been cool. But... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, people don't play Doom for the story or whatever. As somebody, as John Carmack said, video game plots are like porn plots. Nobody cares about them. But that's not true. I mean, we have such artistic achievements such as The, the Last of Us Part 2. 
right? Right? Oh, God. Oh, dear God. Thank you for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 